I saw that in theaters. I walked out. I was like, that was uncomfortable. I'm not happy. I'm not having a good time. I'm probably not going to do this anymore. (laughs) And you could never take a shower again. Yeah, I could never take a shower again. Hello everyone, welcome at last to the Spoiler Warning Film Podcast, a weekly program, yes it's true, we debate, discuss, and then argue about the latest film releases and tear the crummy ones to pieces. This film is crap, Carson decrees, when it has too much CG, and Steven rages at reliance of a film on pseudoscience. Then there's me, upset a lot, with every hole found in the plot. This week's film, anyone can see, it's available now on VOD, a spooky film it is indeed a partner's protection you may need. And so, I offer this one last rhyme to cut the short and not waste time. I hope you appreciate the effort this took. Now here's a review of The Babadook. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. (laughs) I'm glad you enjoyed that. (laughs) Okay, let's get into our review of Cat in the Hat with Mike Myers. (laughs) Yes, obviously, if you don't know anything about The Babadook or you haven't seen the trailer, that just seems like I wanted to rhyme for no reason, but it will make total and utter sense at the very least once we get into the trailer for this film, because you'll hear some rhyming like that. So, <laughs> but how you doing this morning, Steven? I'm doing good. Uh, this is actually my first morning in about seven days of not being like terribly uncomfortably sick. <laughs> so it feels good to be out and alive again among the land of the living. Did you get a little bit of the Babadook in you? Yeah, I got the Babadook in me. <laughs> it's cool. I puked up some black stuff last night, and I feel, I feel really good now. <laughs> I mean, it definitely would feel good to get that out of you, but I could just imagine it being inside you and just all the crazy things yeah, you'd that, be thinking of doing. Bob, Babadook is that, like, Mediterranean eggplant dip, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it just didn't sit well with me. <laughs> uh, yikes. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so uh, Carson isn't going to be on this episode with us, but uh, he may or may not be sending in some type of recording sometime before I edit this, and in in that case it might appear at the end of this episode, but uh, if not, um, I guess in the next episode he'll quickly mention whether or not he liked the Babadook, but uh, (laughs) yeah, so we're going to have this review of the Babadook, this is is officially review 334. Um, and then for review 335, which we'll be recording tomorrow, uh, we'll be talking about The Homesman. So if you've uh, seen the trailers for that or you're excited to find out why Mary B. Cuddy is the greatest woman that ever was, um, you know, stay tuned for that review. But here, just Stephen and I are going to take on The Babadook. I-, I had a Twitter joke not land at all about The Homesman. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so there's a comedian, Pete Holmes. Uh-huh. Um... And I tweeted at him a movie poster that's the Holmesman with an L in it, and yeah. it's his face replacing uh, <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. No, no acknowledgement yet. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> day day number three right now. So that's that's very sad. I, I, I had a similar thing with uh, Merlin Mann and Dan Benjamin. They were talking on Back to Work about where you put the seam in your coffee cup. So I like quickly photoshopped a. A diagram of how I line the scene in the middle of the mouth hole on the lid plus with the the cardboard wrapper on the outside which is at a diagonal angle 
how I equally line the one side diagonal and the other side diagonal exactly around that seam. And I sent it to them and I said, this is the proper way to do it. And also no acknowledgement from them. So, But when I did my uh, Saving Private Banks poster, I did actually get acknowledged by the comedians that I tweeted it to. So <laughs> I know there's hope for bad Photoshop jobs. <laughs> It's, it, you know, it's, it's an important thing to get acknowledged when you fire off random <laughs> bullshit in a sea of bullshit to people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're not here to talk about our, our non-acknowledgements of our Twitter accounts that don't get seen by people we follow. Instead, we're here to talk about the Babadook. So, who is say? seen and following all the time. Yes. Um, what do you say we take a listen to the trailer for the Babadook and then get into this review? Where'd you get this? On the shelf. If it's in a word or it's in a look, you can't get rid of the Babadook. A rumbling sound, then three sharp knocks. Babadook-duck-duck. That's when you'll know he's around. You'll see him if you look. Nothing bad's gonna happen, Sam. Did he think that about my dad before he died? He sees things as they are, that one. I promise to protect you if you promise to protect me. Oh, my God. Did he hurt anyone? The boy has significant behavioural problems. This monster thing has got to stop, all right? It's just a book. It can't hurt you. So that was the trailer for The Babadook. It is the story of a single mother and her child who, you know, they find this little this this little children's book called uh, Mr. Babadook. And it is probably the scariest child's book you'll ever see in your life. And uh, after reading it, you know, things started to get a little crazy for these uh, these two people. And uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that for now. But uh, Stephen, what did you think of this film? And also, you know, you, you asked me beforehand, <laughs> level of scariness. So let, let's, let, let's, let's make sure that's somewhere in there to see, see if my level was accurate for you or if it was less or more creepy than what I said. Yeah, so th- the backstory to this, if anyone has noticed, which they haven't, because why would they, <laughs> that I rarely appear on horror movie episodes. 
because <laughs> my tolerance for scary movies is roughly zero. I think um, <laughs> the last back when The Grudge came to theaters in like well, I don't know two thousand six or something. Yeah, I I saw that in theaters. I walked out. I was like, that was uncomfortable. I'm not happy. I'm not having a good time. I'm probably not going to do this anymore. <laughs> and you could never take a shower again. Yeah, I could never take a shower again. <laughs> so I like, I've heard there have been like good horror movies to come out lately. And my desire to see them has been basically zero. Because in my mind, a good horror movie scares you. And why would anyone want to get scared? That's <laughs> <laughs> the adrenaline that rush, man. Good. I have to sleep in, like, a dark studio apartment at night. There's creaky noises. The refrigerator whirs. Like, why do I want to also believe that, like, some Japanese woman with a detachable jaw is standing in the hallway? <laughs> like, we we talked about Foxcatcher, where I said it was a very well-made movie that I don't know why anyone made it. Yeah. I think almost all horror movies, I feel that way. <laughs> All of these kind of horror movies. I don't mean like like classic psychological thrillers. I mean like yeah, yeah. you know horror movies where unsettling images are going to like get stuck in your head for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you gotta think about that. Like, I mean, I'm not comparing these directly because it's sort of a silly comparison. But like, some people like to jump out of airplanes, perfectly good airplanes, just for the sake of falling, <laughs> you know, 150 miles an hour from the sky. I mean, there there's some aspect to you know, spiking your blood pressure and uh, being freaked out. I mean, for some people, it could be the the calming effect of coming off of that frightenness. For some mm-hmm. people, it could be just literally the, the getting frightened makes them excited. Um, yeah. You know, there's plenty of reasons why one would want to be scared. No, I know. Look, film, films are varied. They're meant for many people. I just, I learned in my life that I'm happier when I can sleep at night without being afraid of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and for the last... Eight years, that's worked out pretty well for me. <laughs> and then I saw the Babadook. And then I saw the Babadook. Um, so I've actually got to say, I, I mean, there have been a lot of reviews. Like, I think A.L. Scott said it was the scariest thing he'd seen since The Exorcist or something like that. Yeah. Um, I was not that scared. <laughs> All right. Maybe, maybe eight years is just enough time for me to, like, be older more wizened to the fact that what I'm watching isn't actually going to happen. Um, maybe watching it in daylight in my living room is nicer than watching it like in a dark theater at night or something. Yeah. Um, but no, there were, except for like brief moments in bed, not even really fear, just like thinking about what if a scary thing happened. There really <laughs> wasn't that. What if there was a Papa Dick? <laughs> Yeah, what if there was a Babadook? So what you're saying is you didn't wake up in the middle of the night screaming, don't let it in, don't let it in, don't let it in. <laughs> no, there was, and, I, and I think part of part of why now to, to delve into the review portion uh, is that, so the way they paint the Babadook character is not like, to me anyway, it's not deeply unsettling. Like his, his form is much more of like an idea, a sort of cartoon book idea than it is like, a physical presence that's supposed to disturb you in the way that like a pale girl climbing out of a TV disturbs you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there like, it, it doesn't have that sort of factor where there's just one scene that you want to close your eyes for because it's too much. Yeah. Which, um, which is interesting because I mean, like I, I found it pretty, 
pretty frightening and not like i don't know if it's the scariest movie i've ever seen but it was frightening in the sense that like i was more scared of the pop-up book than the babadook himself but the pop-up book represents the existence of this like it's Mm -hmm. there's, there's a weird thing like i think the exact thing that made it less scary for you is the part that made it more scary for me because it wasn't Mm -hmm. just like this is this thing that's coming after me it's that like this book is making me believe that this thing is coming after me which i've technically not seen at all you know what i mean like it's yeah definitely um, the 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 horror of it is more that you will believe it not the reality of the situation (laughs) yeah and, Um, and then and then the words that the book are saying are like the more you try to deny my i mean it, it, that's the classic thing with like paranormal activity right where it's like there's a little bit of paranormal activity happening and then as soon as like the male character in the story starts denying that it's there then it makes the thing angry and it gets worse and worse and worse <laughs> so like i mean that's that's not exactly a new thing but in this it's like the more you believe the more i get under your skin the more I get under your skin, the more I create these things, the more you try to not deny it. The strong, it's, it's like a sign like, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's basically the, it's a thing that gains power from your non, uh, your, your, your denial of it makes it stronger. It's, it's the it, inverse Tinkerbell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I mean that makes it sound even less less scary, but but yes. Uh, no, but the inverse Tinkerbell. So. <laughs> yes. So, so take all take all the cute stuff. Um Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe I'm not going to qualify this the way I did with the guest, but it could be that I don't have enough exhaustion of like recent mediocre horror movies to f- see this as something completely fresh. Like I mean like criti- critics have lauded this film right i think it already made it on like the film casks top five for adam campanar uh, yeah. of the year like it is skyrocketing um and i kind of want to know like the circumstances around that like what was it a very small low budget film that people are championing uh be, be, because as far like if i were to see this in theaters as just like a a major motion picture and it showed me the trailer that it showed me and then i watched the movie i would be satisfied in the sense that it like it did build that unsettling tone uh and you know it had definitely some interesting imagery but it really didn't feel like something very new or inventive to me it kind of felt like it treaded ground that like freddy krueger or the others or the ring kind of did the freddy krueger example being the kind of unfair obvious one because that also is a man in a top hat with long (laughs) long nails that a kid sees and other people don't see. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let me let me ask you this question, just to kind of like th- this might this may or, I mean obviously it's impossible for you to answer this, but as best you can. Um, so unlike normal circumstances of watching the film like this, and unlike how I would normally recommend a film to somebody, um, you asked me a specific question that was key to whether yes. whether or not it was going to be okay for you to watch this film. Yes, um, that that is true. <laughs> yeah. So I obviously cannot say what that question was because it's a spoiler and my answer to it would be a spoiler but you asked something specific i gave you a big piece of spoilery information about the film for the purpose of allowing you to watch the film which i normally wouldn't do as i said Mm -hmm. do you think if you didn't have that knowledge that the film would have if you would have not not read it differently but if it would have been that much more 
uh, scary or intense or would it, it would have heightened your experience over knowing that piece of information? Possibly, possibly. I, I think I'm generally, I'm pretty good at watching a film and whether or not I know how it's going to end, I can still track like the arc and the beats that they're throwing out. Uh, I, I mean, of course, it's it's impossible to know for sure if I hadn't been given that spoilery information, which thank you, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, You're welcome. It, it's impossible to know. But, but the real thing, like, okay, here's what I thought was a cool, very inventive angle. And we might have to go into spoiler territory a little bit about this. Um, the The premise of this, like, this book that gets inside your head and kind of convinces you that things are not what they seem yeah Um, and there are a few sequences in particular that really show the power of the mental aspect of this of the the disparity between the world as it actually is and the world as the main character sees it briefly thanks to the uh unsettling presence of the babadook yeah um and there are a lot of hints thrown in foreshadowings kind of that this is going to ruin her, basically the the disparity, right? Like, yeah, she's going to be psychologically disturbed to the point where terrible things happen. And about halfway through the movie, I feel like the f- the tone of the film becomes much more overtly like like Carrie or like Jack Nicholson in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why am I blanking on the Kubrick uh, film? The Shining. Yeah, in The Shining, <laughs> where it. I, I'm trying really hard to say this without being spoilery. It it veers into ter- territory where there is kind of a clear, a clear bad guy and good guy, and the energy and the intensity rises. Yeah, yeah. and that is the point at which it stopped feeling particularly fresh to me and started feeling like, like it was treading ground that I've seen that I've seen quite a few times before. You're talking about and, the scene where the mom cuts through the door with an axe and yells, here's mommy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the here's mommy scene with the wild-eyed look and the, and then the elevator filled with blood. Like, why yeah. was there an elevator in that little little house? Yeah, and how the qu- kids suddenly had a twin and they were riding around on tricycles. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, she crawled inside the TV and I get that that was, like, the opposite, but... No, but I, I I don't I don't know. Do you know what I mean? It, it it's hard to say this without getting spoilery. It it felt like it it built up a premise, so a thing will be most unsettling to me if it's realistic in some sense. Realistic in the sense that I could have the fear that this will happen to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the reason, like you mentioned, that the book is so much more unsettling to you than the actual Babadook as a person, or not person whatever whatever he is yeah yeah, um the reason that is more unsettling to you is there's this aspect where this could happen like a physical thing could drive you mad kind of like you know a videotape drives people mad in the ring yeah yeah um and i i feel like they build that very well to start with like as the lead-in for a film that would feel very original to me like I, i know i'm comparing that to the ring but i think there are plenty of different directions it can go. Yeah. Um, well, see, also, like, since you skipped the last eight, eight years of horror <laughs> films, um, you have missed out on the trend 
which is like hugely in basically that this almost feels fresh by going back to the trend like before the trends of these last eight years there's this thing in every paranormal related film now where uh there's always a scene but you know besides bringing in a priest or somebody who quote unquote knows about this stuff there's always a scene where they start googling things and they find out about the creature that is haunting them and they like read other people's telling of how they experience the same person and it's like their frightening thing is going on the internet and watching YouTube videos of other people who went crazy from something, you know, like, like that, that's like this trend that has happened now. Like you need an mm-hmm. expert and, or the internet, like basically bring Reddit in and listen to all the ghost stories from people. And that's the type of thing that happens in every horror movie. And in this film, it's really just the single mom who kind of feels like she's been shut out from the rest of the world because of, you know, the stuff that happened to her uh, before the story gets started. And she's just trying to deal with, like what the hell is happening and whether this is all in her head or if it's just in her son's head or like what what is going on she's completely unprepared to deal with whatever the hell is happening and you're really just watching her try to deal with it and it's Mm -hmm. it's it is refreshing in that way i think like like sure they're like like all other paranormal stories there's there's a little bit of stuff and it progresses into an eventual like level of insanity to which like the film just has to end because there's nowhere to go from Mm -hmm. like you've reached the ceiling of like at this point i I just think the because like horror makers know and of course you're totally right that i'm like i don't have eight years of really bad (laughs) horror movies under my yeah (laughs) under my belt uh probably you know this is like if if the one i love came out and i was like oh well i just watched eternal sunshine of the spotless mind like that was way better than this you know two stars (laughs) 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 that's a possibility but i so i feel like this the best horror films, they know that the scariest part is when it isn't fully presented to you yet, right? That's why they yeah. build up so gradually. And they, even the camera, like in this film, they do, they do a good job with that uh, toward the beginning where the camera itself is like this floating thing zooming in. And that, that builds you a fear of like who is behind the camera, like what point of view is this representing? Even if it's like a cock tease, it doesn't actually do anything with it. Yeah. Um, but... This didn't feel like it had a progression into full-on madness. It was like a a binary flip, kind of, in the main character and in the tone of the film. Um, And that was the part where it started to lose me a bit. Um, Hmm. And maybe, you know, spoiler conversations can elucidate that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think we'll definitely have have at least a mini little spoiler because I, I, I can tell you why it works for me. And mm-hmm. but I mean it, it requires all full blown spoilers. Um, yeah. But so the the broad recap before tossing it to you is that if not for the sort of you know like initial reviews and critics lauding this film as being something amazing, which was kind of you know Snowpiercer's downfall for me too. Yeah. Um, if not for that, I would have watched this, and I I probably could have seen it as a throwback at least because you know this is not a like jump cut type of film in the way that what I understand the latest trend of films to be, you know, where there's some kind of deeply, deeply unsettling thing that the camera cuts to for two seconds, then looks away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I can appreciate this for going back to what made films like the ring or like the others, like frightening. Uh, and I would have been like, yeah, that was a, that was a good, you know, horror film it was well made it didn't get too ridiculous you know the 
the shots were good. It it wasn't the most fresh film in the world, but it was like reasonably good. But having it come padded with all of this like critical attention just immediately drives me to be like, why, why exactly is this film being heralded the way it is? Yeah. And that is where I turn it to Christopher Schnazy. Chris. Well, the reason it's being heralded is, as it is is because it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, I, I really, really uh, enjoy this film. I mean, it the, the ending uh, gets a little bonkers for me um, to a point which, I mean, we can talk about in spoilers, uh, where it was just kind of like, of, of course, it's going to do something like this because why not? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but for, for me, really, the like the star of this film is that pop-up book. And, and it's hard to explain without you know going into spoilers, but it's just the the presence that it represents and the way it tells the story um, is just it, it for me all those beats hit perfectly um, uh, you know it, it, this is this is a pretty condensed story like there's not a lot of characters in it um, it's not like a big expansive thing it's 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 this woman and her son and um, you know they both experienced a tragedy together and now. They're just trying to make it through life. And, you know, they encounter mysteriously this uh, Mr. Babadook book and then things start kind of going crazy. And really, it's all about like there's nothing freaky happening until they start to dive into the book. And that's when things start to go weird, which it's, you know, it's not like a it's not like a story where something creepy was happening and then they kind of discover the book and realize that maybe the book is related to the creepiness. It's like nothing happens until they see it, until they start to worry about like, what if, like to me, that's the, that's the most frightening thing. Like you can have an actual thing hunting you. Um, like, you know, if you're in like a predator movie or something like that, like there's a predator chasing you. Like the, the, the threat is obvious in this. It's this thing that like, you know, like, so, let's, let's pretend like somebody tells you a ghost story, right? Like you're mm-hmm. out in the woods and somebody decides to be a jerk hole and like tell you a ghost story about how like 15 kids were murdered in the same woods that you're hanging out in or something like that. So that story itself might not be that scary, but then when you're sitting there and you hear like snaps and cracks in the woods, then that makes you think like, oh, like, oh, uh, like what's going on out there? Like, I wonder what's out there. And then it's you, the thing itself isn't what's scary. It's you scaring yourself into believing the thing and the more you deny the thing the more you sort of get scared like but what if it's true and i think that mm. that's really where this where this film succeeds for me I mean, obviously the performances of the two leads in it are amazing mm. um and it's really just a film of of um unnervingness uh like i, I don't think it's quite as good as the orphanage which is probably my favorite yeah uh, that, that also comes to mind as a you know positive example yeah so you did see that one yes okay cool so like like that one is just i mean that one is scary and unnerving in the same way but i think the actual story like once you learn everything behind what's actually happening like it's one of those things where it's like a perfectly wrapped bow at the end so it's Mm -hmm. like not only is it a good kind of creepy uh story but then like once it turns out to be like an actual legitimate story like it, it feels complete and that's why i think it elevates it above the Babadook, but I think the Babadook itself is still, still great and en- entering into this genre. Um, and I don't know, like, like I, it's kind of why I asked you the question of if, if knowing that one bit of information, um, maybe hindered your experience overall, because like for me, 
it's it's a film that is telegraphing the progression of unnervingness that it's about to present to you and mm. just kind of like watching it come closer and closer and closer to the reality of what um it's sort of like hinting at just to me it just worked really really well and like i said you know the craziness at the very very end um yeah i can take it or leave it but i think the journey up until that point is so strong that it that it's it's something that i just have to celebrate like you know it, it, it's not necessarily going to make my list of top films by the end of the year but it's definitely one that i was glad i watched like i, I had i had heard some people reference it like offhandedly on a couple different podcasts but i didn't know anything about it or why people liked it and then i was just cruising through itunes i was like oh babadook like i'll take a watch of this and uh yeah i i enjoyed it a lot and, and i mean i i i can see that and i think What's funny is the part of the premise that we both really liked, I, I think we potentially liked to the same degree. Like, that's why the trailer intrigued me. And it's why, even though I don't normally watch horror movies, I was definitely drawn in to see this one. Yeah. Other than the 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Which, maybe maybe Rotten Tomatoes shouldn't always exist. I feel like it now has a track record also of setting expectations too high on a bunch of films yeah, uh, yeah. for me. Because the 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 premise, like the storybook aspect of it, when it's still striving for that, for that place where there is a plausible reality separate from this, like where you can kind of, uh, where you can compartmentalize what is psychological and what is not, yeah, I thought that was done very well. And as it starts to build, there are hints of like a story that brings that to completion. And I think that would have been a very unsettling film in a way that I haven't seen uh, very much before. And I think the reason that it's, you, you know, you're calling it the descent into madness toward the end. I I feel like it's more like starting halfway through and continuing I could see it, it's becoming a film that, I, I don't want to say it's super derivative because, you know, I can't say that when I haven't seen a horror movie in eight years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that it's kind of like the gut reaction to Interstellar. Like some people see it as hugely original and mind-blowing. And then if you compare it to like 2001, <laughs> like other, you're other like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, so the fact that it didn't, to me, follow through on the premise that it promised is, is part of why I like am not that enthusiastic about it be, be out of the same love for the premise that makes you like it yeah um, yeah so that, that, I don't know that's interesting I, I knew you had to love it by the way when your uh, Facebook timeline photo changed to the Babadook <laughs> also what's funny is like because I mean the, okay like re even if I hated the movie that pop, like the art style of that pop-up book like I want that pop-up book yeah it's like Coraline basically yeah it's like yeah a, but unfortunately very if cool, I had disturbing that, graphic yeah if I had that pop-up book I would probably get rid of it because like <laughs> after one night with it I would just be terrified um but the original the original screenshot I had um I I decided to not go with because um out of context people would wonder why I hate dogs <laughs> <laughs> um, but and if you've seen the film you know exactly what I'm about. <laughs> um <laughs> but uh yeah anyways yeah yeah obviously I was a huge fan of it um mm -hmm. 
I, yeah, I, I, I just... I, I feel like, uh, so one one thing that also was promising at the beginning, but kind of upon reflection later and conversation seemed not quite so new territory is the, like, the, the primary fear in this movie, at least in the beginning, is single parenthood, right? You have a woman who is effectively, like, afraid of her house and her own child and the world is kind of crushing in on her and yeah yeah you know the the actress is always frazzled like her her hair is like amy adams in her or something <laughs> um, and and you you know you have this vulnerability to start with and that's precisely what what the babadook is preying on you know is like you are not in control and no one can help you and like the the men in this film are with one exception kind of cold and foreboding like other other people do not offer you a relief from anything yeah um, in, in this film and i i could see that being painted and and i kind of feel like that angle is what some people are definitely latching onto is because people are talking about the real emotions in this film as opposed to just the horror aspect but then it's also like I don't know, when you think about it, a ton of horror movies are about a woman and her child, and the woman is fearful and doesn't feel in control of the situation. Yeah. Like, that that's sort of like a classic, classic setup to a horror movie. Well, the classic setup is that all the men die and a lone woman survives. <laughs> like, like, that's that's the, that's the sort of like the... You know, that, that's the horror version of the hero's journey is <laughs> basically like everyone who should be able to protect somebody gets <laughs> totally the, the, killed the, off. The horror version is the heroine's unlikely survival yeah. <laughs> as all the heroes get destroyed. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I don't know. There were there are things like that. Like, for instance, some of the very unsettling parts of this film happen in broad daylight and they are between her and the child that she doesn't feel like she can control anymore. Yeah. And th those, I think, were, like, by far, with the exception maybe of the points where she's reading the Babadook story, those are where I really feel like it strikes a very unsettling nerve. Like, like that's where it gets more into, like, almost shining-like territory where you have people behaving in ways that are just, like, scary like like yeah, well, just scary in a weird way like like the kid with his pinky finger saying murder or something <laughs> <laughs> but well, so which is why like i i feel like the first half if the second half had lived up to it i would be like fully on the babadook train yeah um but i i don't know there there's a point where it does turn into like a lights out terror high octane thrill fest and that that point is where m maybe it's partly the budget that shines through it like it didn't feel like it lived up to that part or at least it didn't make a it, it didn't make a novel dent in it for me <laughs> but, but i'm thankful i haven't had to watch eight years of terrible horror films i'm glad i didn't have to watch pyramid this week <laughs> oh, yeah. yes you are glad you didn't have to watch pyramid uh because without getting into it too much dear god that movie is not good <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh yeah anyways um yeah i think i think there's a lot of stuff we can probably talk about in a short se spoiler segment so do you want to just kind of mm. wrap this up and get into our recommendations uh yeah all right. Well, uh, Stephen, if you were going to give this a must-see, 
Uh, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must avoid, what would you give it? <coughs> so, I'll, gr- granting that I am not a recent horror aficionado, and this film certainly never like frustrated me, I, w- I was always happy that I saw it, um, I would give it a recommend with a caveat. The caveat being, I feel like it is... It's a solid horror film, like a solid entry in the genre, but it's just that. It's an entry in the genre. It isn't a a thing that, in my mind, is opening up new avenues that people haven't thought of. It, it It's more... It's almost more of just a throwback film, like it, it, a good horror movie, probably in the wake of a bunch of terrible horror movies. Uh, but caveat is, I would... I personally would not look at the fact that 97% of critics liked it um, because that, that seems overinflated to me. Yeah. And I, w- I would also say that at least for me personally, it was actually not that terrifying, which I am happy with because I don't like being terrified. Um, <laughs> but But if you do watch a horror movie hoping to be deeply disturbed, you should know that at least one person was not deeply disturbed. <laughs> and that is the person that, as a kid, was afraid of Minority Report because the precogs were scary. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, for, yeah, for me, for me, I'm going to give it a must-see. Um, I can definitely understand the not necessarily buying into the 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. And, and I think maybe it's possible that the reason why there is a bit of inflation is that on the whole, horror films aren't really that good. So anytime something comes around that is like marginally better than the other stuff that's kind of just churned out yearly, uh, it it's hard not to celebrate it for being like decent. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of like uh, I took this biology course in high or not in high school in in a college, and it was like it was the one that everybody takes, but the professor knew that. Uh, he knew that some of the people who were like, it was the one that that, that is a, uh, um, you, you needed to at least take one unit of whatever, or, you know, basically you needed to take one science class and it was the biology that everybody takes regardless of what your major is. But the professor knew that some people are taking it because they want to major in biology. So he wasn't going to dumb down the class for people that were just taking it as a prerequisite for whatever. Mm-hmm. So he basically structured the class to be super hard and he said at the end of the semester whatever grade you get he'll give you the grade above that <laughs> so <laughs> it, this, uh, that's basically how i think that like some horror films are where it's like maybe it's like a you know maybe it's like b plus but it just automatically gets that a because compared like on a curve <laughs> it's so <laughs> far up above everything else that it's it's amazing compared to it um and, that and, said, and i can buy that for sure yeah, yeah. i mean i think I am probably the, I am the professor who is trying to teach the hardcore horror film class because those are almost the only ones I've watched. Like I haven't yeah. subjected myself to, to too many poorly made ones. I would say The Grudge was one of the worst ones I've seen, and I have no idea how the decline of like the Japanese horror <laughs> stuff has gone since that movie. <laughs> well, um, m- most of the uh, yeah, like I've only seen you know the American remakes of a lot of the Japanese horror films, but. Um, I, I can see like the I can see like the seeds of good films in or good I- concepts in there, and it just makes me want to go back and watch the actual Japanese versions. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Which, uh, so I haven't seen many of the actual Japanese ones, but 
the clips that I've seen have already been much more horrifying. <laughs> There's some <laughs> twisted, <laughs> twisted stuff in there. Nice. Uh, anyway, so I think if you are the professor who is aware that there are students in the class who just want to pass because it's a prerequisite, you're in the... At Berkeley, we had physics for future presidents, which was <laughs> a physics class exclusively for people who don't want to be taking physics. <laughs> nice. Um, then I am more of the professor who's grading it on the curve of very solid horror films, probably ones that by now are classic. <laughs> and I just kind of got in my time machine and uh, missed all the unclassics. Yeah. And we, we will say again that if you're listening to this, uh, whether or not you see The Babadook, you should go see The Orphanage because it's a fantastic film. Mm -hmm. For sure. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Music will fade up and then we will move on into spoilers. So for the people who aren't going to stick with us, Stephen, where can people find you? If people want to find me, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or you can like us at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com, use the contact form on our site, or leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this might come from the soundtrack to the film. It's probably just some eerie kind of like noise. <laughs> and uh, it could just be Chris going Baba Duke Duke Duke. Yeah, it could be Duke. <laughs> or is the child? I mean, even screaming. like e even that croak that is like the ring in the grudge, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you saying it wasn't terrifying? <laughs> I'm saying it was it was terrifying in in a way I've seen before. <laughs> in that it gave you like like PTSD for Yeah, it gave me a PTSD of being terrified. <laughs> You're like, oh no, the drug grudge is here too. <laughs> uh, Though of course if someone did ship a book to my front door <laughs> I would be pretty scared right now. Oh yeah, for sure. Um and, and dude, they're gonna make so much money if they actually print that book. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. Also, I want to see special features on how they created that pop-up book, because it's a very sophisticated book. It is. I do, do you think, is it fully physical, or was there some, like, camera trickery to make it seem to pop out more? Because it seemed pretty complicated, especially some of the... Some of the animations later on where you don't you don't see her pulling a tag anymore. Yeah, and part of that is because it's just so close up. Like, I, I, I think... I think whether or not it was a book that could actually fold up, I think it was a real physical object, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. But it might have been like, it might have been like there's a couple of versions of the book already open to allow something. But there, there are other scenes too where she just like flips open the page and like something like pops up and it's like, that's very real pop-up booky mm -hmm. technology. Um, but yeah, either way, it's really cool. <laughs> but <laughs> let's get into the spoiler. So... <laughs> all right so this is spoiler territory for the babadook um we just had a review of that uh, we you know we both both enjoyed it i enjoyed it more than steven um mm -hmm. but uh you know maybe we'll, we'll bring steven around to watch eight years worth of horror films and see if he likes this better 
yeah put put me through the raid two and all these other things and we'll see what happens <laughs> um but we're here talking about spoilers so um yeah so let's talk about the book real fast um because mm-hmm. obviously uh okay so so pe- for the data pe- book yeah <laughs> for people who listen to the episode uh you you asked me that the, the, the text that you sent me that was the big piece of spoiler information that i gave you was whether or not the child is going to be killed by the end of this, the film and there you know there's so when we first see the book the the imagery we see in the book is that the babadook is trying to come after the kid well, what he wants to do with the kid we don't know all we know is that the kid is the target of the babadook and you know the woman freaks out and she's the one that really tries to deny like the, the kid pretty much embraces the babadook from the beginning um and by embraces i mean like is freaked out because he thinks it's real mm-hmm. and she you know does the classic thing where she tried to destroy the book and it keeps popping back up um but the big the big change uh to the book coming back is that you know in, in most stories it's like there's a creepy ass doll doll's doing something weird somebody throws away the doll but then it's back in the house magically in this, like, the book's totally tore up. And when it comes back, it's not in its pristine original condition. It's re-put together with the, 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 the tears still in the pages. But now the content of the book has changed. And before when she looked at the book, there was actually blank pages. Like, the book hadn't been finished yet. And now not only is it pieced back together, but there's more to the book. And we see a change, which for me was, like, the most frightening thing. It was like, yes, there's this creepy book where you're like, oh, this is really creepy, uh... What's up with this Babadook thing? But now it's automatically more freaky because the the content of the book has changed. But then the book changes from being the Babadook trying to get the child to the Babadook trying to get the woman, getting inside the woman, making the woman do these heinous acts like murder a dog and then murder her son and then kill herself. So there's this progression that the book, it's not even foreshadowing anymore because it's literally the book saying, this is what I'm going to do to you. <laughs> so Yeah, and, at, and that part is like, legitimately very very scary <laughs> yeah, yeah very disturbing like I, i've I, i've shown that clip from the center of the movie where she gets the book to people who i know will never watch the movie just to be like dude this is free you watch this <laughs> like, i'll show the scene where she goes to the door finds the book brings it inside and just like shows the imagery at, as like what the book says is going to happen and i think that like for me obviously that that shows the intention of this creature whatever it is and as that starts to progress through the film and you see her start to kind of behave erratically, start to get kind of like angry all the time. And then when she finally snaps the dog's neck, you're like, oh, shit just got real because mm-hmm. the next thing she has to do is snap the child's neck. Yeah. Um, so- yeah, yeah, no. So and, and I, I don't want to cut off, but I want to say that point is actually where I feel like the bit flip happens that made me not be tracking with the film so much anymore. Okay. I, I can elaborate. I don't know if you were continuing. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was actually taking a sip of a drink. I was waiting for you to continue. <laughs> okay. Um. So the the book is foreshadowing, not foreshadowing, like you said, explicitly telling you that the Babadook is going to come into the woman, going to cause her to kill the dog, kill the boy, kill herself. Mm-hmm. Um. And as that starts to happen you start to see her losing her mind a little bit like there are the cockroaches coming in that are apparently not real uh she's sitting there watching the tv and the babadook keeps showing up in everything she's watching and she looks at the kid she turns to him and she sees him dead like like he's been killed his throat is slit and she's terrified and she's walking up to him 
And then it flashes to reality, and she's holding a knife, walking towards the boy. Yeah. And she realized, like, I'm calling him the boy, even though she explicitly tells you not to. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and anyway, she she realizes the reality of that situation and is horrified. And so what I thought the true terror was, was that the Babadook was going to present images to her that would cause her inadvertently to kill the dog, kill the boy, and then out of remorse, she'll kill herself at the end. And what happens instead in the scene where she kills the dog, in my mind, you are now completely external to the character. And you're just watching this person who is shrieking and angry and evilly walks up and picks up a dog and strangles him. And that, in my mind, is not the character that they had been portraying before of a woman resisting this but falling mad. This is all of a sudden just your typical, frightening horror movie villain. And and that is the part where I felt like it, it, it really faltered from the aims that would have made it be like, wow, I am not going to sleep tonight, <laughs> to suddenly being like, okay, now a woman is like, you know, screaming like a demon and she's chasing after and she's trying to kill people. And that, I, I don't know, that transition was so jarring that it like, it was meant to be frightening, but it, it took me out of the fear. All of a sudden it brought me into like, oh, okay, I'm watching a movie now. This is, uh, <laughs> this is nothing I need to worry about. Yeah. Well, I think I'm trying to think about it. And, and so, so going back to horror genre stuff in, in, in general. So there is, you know, there's this classic thing in, in a lot of, paranormal type stuff where whatever the entity is is present in the room with a person and they either catch it in a mirror or they don't even know it's there and they turn around and there's nothing there anymore right like that's kind Mm -hmm. of this classic horror film trope and uh you know it's frightening for the audience but technically the character doesn't even like the tech like there's there's these things that, that horror films do where like the character technically isn't in danger to their own mind like they have no idea that, that 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 anything is in their presence but we the audience do and it's more frightening for us than it is for the character um, at worst it's like chipping away at their defenses because they keep thinking they hear something yeah 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 so so in, in in that context i think that like the 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 silly thing that if a film is is creepy enough you don't think about is that these beings, no matter what, whether it's a ghost, a poltergeist, uh, which is, I guess is just a different type of ghost, uh, whether it's mm-hmm. a demon, whether it's some sort of entity, an alien, and in any situation, these are beings that are more powerful than a normal person. Like if, if you're in a thriller, you know, a guy could be trying to break into your room to assault you or kill you or murder you or, do, or something like that. And, and there is a barrier that that stops them. You know, like the, the person is threatening your life, but they're not a being who can pass through walls who are like more powerful than we are in this finite reality. Like they're, they're a being that exists outside our existence and they can do things that we can't help against. So, so there's, a, there's an inherent silliness to to being afraid of an object because it's like in, in in the movie universe like if we were in a meta horror film right now you can almost just stand up to any ghost because if they actually were to touch you they'd be breaking the rules of think of it as like going to a fun house right you go to a fun house and there's going to be a person who's going to chase you with a chainsaw right <clears throat> if you don't run they can't hit you with the chainsaw because that would be murder right <laughs> yeah like the whole point is that 
you and them are you have this tacit agreement that they are scary and you must run as if they're real and Mm. you might be legitimately frightened and you're running away but at some level you know that if i just don't run that actor has to stop acting and not kill you <laughs> yeah so there, there's kind of like this this un like in in the metaverse of a horror film there's the same issue like a, a creature can't like any creature should just be able to like punch a person to death right <laughs> like even like the paranormal activity films like there's this progression of like i'm just gonna leave footprints or smash a a, a picture or you know tilt a or like make a, a light fixture swing or you know do do weird stuff that that's that's not really that crazy but in in the end i can just grab your physical form and smash you against the wall repeatedly until you're dead but that's not <laughs> scary right <laughs> i mean it, it's scary if it's happening to you but like that that's not a progression that leaves you terrified that's just like yeah. oh shit i'm dying now <laughs> so in the context of a freddy krueger like man in a trench coat and like a baller hat or whatever like floating towards you at some point if if the the real thing this creature is trying to do is to slash slash you to death or to do something scary like that, there there's a point at which this isn't frightening. But like the fact that this thing is literally trying to weaken your defenses enough to crawl inside you and then start controlling you over time, like that's that's pretty freaky. Like so at the point in time where you're saying this flip has happened, the Babadook has already like stop motion style jumped and crawled inside her mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- whether that's in her mind or it's actually happening in the film, which is debatable, um, that transition has already happened. So for me, while her strangling the dog was definitely out of character with her up until that point in the film, I think the whole point is that the Babadook is in her and it's taking right. control. Uh, so I, I shouldn't say, by the way, that that I dislike it because it's out of character for her to turn evil. Like I, I, I know that the the premise is the Babadook is powerful and overtakes her, and like you know the real binary flip happens when, when she eats him or whatever, yeah. whatever that is. Um. So it isn't it it isn't that the movie isn't consistent with its own logic. It's just the the fear that it is praying to before that was so much more interesting and scary to me the fear of the fear of intending to protect yourself and do the right thing and having been revealed to be a monster um like like i completely imagined like you know she's in bed with the dog babadook comes (laughs) she's freaking out she tries to fight off the babadook and then she comes to and she's just strangled the puppy yeah and and i I think that's I think that is less scary than than the dog is temporarily annoying her and she just snaps and literally snaps. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like to me, like the so in uh, um <laughs> there's so there's a scene in, we're we're gonna be reviewing the homesman later this uh you know in the feeds after this but there's a scene in the homesman where you know Hillary Swank is is you know sitting on the front of the cart with the women in it and there's women just like yelling in the back like because they're crazy right yeah so she can't take it anymore so she runs to the back of the cart and just like is like stop screaming stop screaming just yells back at them right which which i mean you could like if you're in the middle of an open prairie and somebody just like yelling it's like you know it's like in dumb and dumber where they're trying to do the most annoying sound in the world you're just like shut up um (laughs) 
the idea of in a normal situation where somebody would just yell shut up to like imagine like hillary swank jumping in the back of that (laughs) that covered wagon and just like choking out the women to death (laughs) like that's more frightening (laughs) you know what i mean like so it's like i was i I, like i didn't read the comic at or not the comic i didn't read the the pop-up book as being this woman is going to accidentally kill these people because she thinks she's trying to kill the Babadook. I, I'd read it as for sure the Babadook is going to make her do this thing against her will. Yeah, um, yeah. so so I, I should say too, accidentally is maybe, accidentally is what I'm getting at, but it's more, so up until this point, she is the anchor of the film, right? She is the person whose eyes you are watching through. Yeah. You, if you ever see the boy alone, it's only like very briefly. For the most part, you are her uh, in this movie. Yeah. And I think the the terror and what makes it so unsettling is like the this could be you aspect of the story. And whether it's accidental or otherwise just somehow paints what is going on in her head and what she's resisting and what she's doing. If the camera had stayed in her head like that, I think they could have pulled it off into something frightening. And, and maybe that would be an accident like waking up and realizing you just strangled a dog or maybe it would be more like just a a descent into madness like you know the dog's bark becomes louder and louder and louder till it's like overwhelming you and you can't take it anymore and i i I don't know i i I don't know if i can explain it correctly they could have gone the route of you because of your belief or lack thereof in the babadook are descending into madness and you are the threat and instead, the camera pans away, and it is she is the threat, and the boy now has to protect himself. And that like that switch in POV kind of made it. I was never tracking with the boy as a potential like person to find myself in or like empathize with as the audience. I was always seeing the boy as the scary thing and her as the uh, the anchor. And when you flip that, all of a sudden, it's more just like like watching a play where a scary thing is happening in front of you rather than like internalizing a scary thing. Well, what if, so, you know, I, I talked about how the ending of the, of the film is pretty bonkers. And mm-hmm. um, what if you take your statement just now with my statements about the trope of how like a thing can't either, like there's a magic force that stops any creature from actually touching you because once it touches you, like it's just game over. Um, and take in the ending into consideration. And if you, if you look at this as the creature is real, but it actually doesn't have any power, it mm-hmm. has to literally break you down until you become the thing that it wants you to be because it can't really do anything on its own. Then that f- there isn't technically a switch being flipped. It's just he's finally breaking her down enough to make her reach that point. Because at the end, she sort of like decides that she has dominion over the creature and then gets it from that Mm -hmm. so it's it's she's been denying it up until that point and then not only does she stop denying it but she decides that it doesn't have power over her and you know when she like screams back at it and she's like talking to the giant demon dark version of it or whatever (laughs) the hell is happening when like godzilla appears at the end of the film (laughs) um um, like there's there's sort of i don't know does that make yeah yeah which is why i say the i i don't believe that switch is at all inconsistent logic from the film standpoint um i think there's a perfectly it's logic (laughs) yeah i don't 
I, I don't like the decision to make that be the logic that it follows. Yeah. I, I feel like it, it it was foreshadowing for me a truly terrifying thing. And then I I won't necessarily say it copped out, but it certainly like it pivoted to a thing that was more haunted house type of scary. Yeah. Which, you know, is fine as a, another entry in the genre, but just not 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 something that i think i would be remembering weeks from now and uh recoiling in fear yeah and, and i i will admit too that my favorite parts of the film are from the beginning up until those like kind of basically the final act when everything starts mm-hmm. to really hit the fan like i i don't dislike the way it ends but it's just the like really like at the point where you're talking about there being a flip i do I, I guess I, I don't have a problem with the flip, but I do feel what you're saying. Like, because what made this film so strong was before any of those things start happening, because the fear is that they will happen. And once they happen, that fear is gone because they're already happening. <laughs> yeah. And that's always kind of the paradox of horror films like The Happening. Yeah. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, is <laughs> the, the paradox of them, it's just like the paradox of a, an alien movie or often a like Godzilla movie, which is that the thing is most terrifying when you have not fully committed to it yet. Like yeah. When it's still subtly there or dancing in the shadows. And once once you completely embrace the logic of it existing and the camera starts turning to, okay, now what? I, I don't have many examples where a film has retained its horror. Un- unless the imagery is like so disturbingly sparse in japanese that like <laughs> they can stare straight at it and it's still terrifying yeah like if the movie was so crazy that it actually made you puke black then yeah, if if i puked black it would be a different story yeah. also so as far as the ending goes like you know leading up to it basically they've set up this character who is terrified of the world right like She's a single parent who isn't ready for it. Like, you know, she's not over the death of her husband. Yeah. They're alone in this big house. When scary things happen, she's the one who has to man up, but she's clearly, uh, or woman up. Uh, and she's clearly... <laughs> just person up. You know, gotta be, uh... She just needs to person up. Yeah. Uh, and, but she's clearly not prepared for it. Um, and the transition is by the end, she knows she has dominion. Like, you know, she shouts like, this is my house, get out. Yeah. Which is a lot, actually, like the little girl shouts in the treehouse. I don't know if that comparison is on purpose. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> the little girl then gets pushed out of the treehouse. So yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's not the perfect uh, comparison. Anyway, Which, so, by the so, way, that scene is frightening, partially yes. because it's in the trailer. Um, and I know she's about to be pushed out of it. But I don't know, like, to me, like, I don't know what the result of that fall is going to be. Because apparently she just got a bloody nose. But in my head knowing that he's about to push her out of that treehouse, like I was like just that scene was oh, going I on way was too long for sure yeah and the parents aren't paying attention there's there's this cutting back and forth between this like first of all it's a great scene cutting back huh. and forth between the the sisters arguing with each other about their lives and how like you know they're just caught up in their own stuff and blah 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 blah. but then their two children are in this treehouse yelling at each other the one like the, the 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 one sister not our main character is super overbearing and doesn't like the other sister and then the child 
doesn't like the kid because he's weird and has all these problems. And like, you're just like, oh, it's almost like the child pushing her is a metaphor for the mom pushing her sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's definitely a terrifying thing. And uh, yeah, that's a pretty big thud that kid has. Like, I thought yeah, for sure a is... broken neck. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say any scene involving the kid as this like untamable force, but still like a human, like a troubled kid. Yeah. Um, those are built in a very frightening way. Uh, like also the scene where the kid is climbing and no one's paying attention to him. And then all of a sudden they look over and he's like standing on the top. That shouldn't even be frightening. But the way they paint that and like the world is all kind of gray and dark. And uh, I, 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 there, there's a way where that imagery was also very unsettling to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, and you know, that's what it, that's what it's preying on is the fear of like, what if you can't control your own child? Yeah. Like, he is the thing that's frightening. But I don't know, the whole arc where by the end she's like, she's embraced the Babadook, right? Which I guess is like compartmentalizing her life. Like now she has this place she goes to address her terror and then the rest of her life she's fine. I I wasn't thrilled <laughs> by that ending. <laughs> I don't think it has. I don't feel like it had a lot to say unless I'm missing like some really big imagery. Like I assume the Babadook is kind of her husband or the memory of her husband that she won't let go of. Yeah. So like there, there's a, there's a lot of scenes in the film where like she goes to places. I, I know you have like a hard end date for this episode. So I'll try to make this really quick or not date, but time. Anyways, uh, there's like when she goes to the police station, like there's the hat and the jacket that are placed on the back of like in the back on the back wall on the coat hangers or the coat rack there's like the the hat jacket and it's like placed in that babadook fashion when the kids been playing downstairs in the dad or in the basement in the dad's stuff he had set up like a hat and a jacket and i wasn't sure if that was supposed to represent him playing with his dad or the babadook himself but there's definitely imagery where like she sees these things that the child might see as her dad as being this force that ruined her life um, and I, I think there's definitely a metaphor there for sure, where like the Babadook seems to be some sort of manifestation of the the passing of the husband. Um, and rearrange the consonants, Babadook, Dada book, Dada. There book. you go. Mm. Yeah, she didn't check Nailed the it. the author <laughs> thing on the front of the Mr. <laughs> Babadook book. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that... Like, like, I see where they were going with it, but I feel like this was a film that didn't need a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of got one, it got one where it's like she has emotionally changed and become a stronger person. And I don't know, that feels like it sort of undermines the horror <laughs> a little bit. Well, I mean, um, in, in a sense, like she went through a tragedy and she's been a victim to this tragedy the entire time. But for the first time she stood up and realized that she has power over her life and and what's Mm -hmm. happened to her. And I think that like that one simple change would be enough to like, like once you've overcome Godzilla demon, (laughs) like ripping apart your house and trying to take your boy, I I think you realize that, you know, the little things in life, like having to pick your son up from school because he misbehaved, not that big a deal. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's definitely someone going from being overwhelmed to, like, steering into the skid. Yeah. Uh, it Again, it's not that 
it's internally inconsistent. It's just that I don't like it. <laughs> what, what you're saying is it went from her being overwhelmed to you being underwhelmed. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yes. It, it turned to me being underwhelmed. Like, if, if that is the, the emotional arc they meant for it to take, that part, at least, I could do without. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, you know, they could have... I mean, this was made by a female director, so I'm sure there are some insights into the, like fear of going it alone and raising a child and stuff like that like that there has to be some kind of unique angle there that makes it different but i don't know it didn't feel it it didn't feel that compelling yeah yeah no no by the end i definitely felt a little not left down because i think the film is so strong overall but it was kind of just like well i'll accept that crazy ending <laughs> it was like by this point i've enjoyed this too much to care which I don't know if that's a phrase or or if that's an insult to the film, but there you go. All right. Should we call it a day? Yeah, we, we should call it a day. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed our conversation about the Babadook. Uh, thanks, Stephen, for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. And we will check all you guys out in our Homesman review, which will be later in the feed. Later. See ya. It is me.